We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor on Community Radio, KilkennyCity.ie. Well, that should have given me a chance to draw breath after that uh, technical issues that we were, myself and Mick Cummins are here in the studio trying to sort out for poor old Orla and Des sitting at home trying to do their show. And I feel for them very much because I was that soldier um, at home and uh, trying to do the, the job. Uh, speaking of which, we will have a soldier at home we'll be talking to in just a couple of moments, uh, which is, I didn't mean to have such a neat and appropriate kind of segue, but there you go. Just came out like that. Anyway, but uh, we will. We'll be talking to a soldier returned home from Lebanon, that's Sergeant Dermot Edouard, in just a couple of minutes. And um, we'll have the weather, of course, in the middle of the show. Um, a long interview a chat I had earlier on today, very kindly, uh, Kathleen Function TD, of course, from Sinn Fein, the local Carla Kilkenny constituency TD. Uh, gave me plenty of our time this morning and we had a good long chat about uh, the likelihood or possible chance of uh, a government being not formed or being formed um, in the next few hours as soon as uh, the votes appear from the three political parties and whether they all get to approve the programme for government or not. So we started off the chat with Kathleen on that and wandered on to some other topics as well. And uh, just joining us before the end of the show, of course, uh, it's uh, somebody you will have heard from here plenty before on Community Radio Kilkenny City, and that's Josephine Kelly, the chairperson of Relay for Life. So that's all coming up for you. Um, No parish news again today, but as I think at the top of the hour before the start of the big jump, you may have heard uh, some announcement um, uh, thanks to Henry Hogan about masses. Uh, I suppose uh, yeah, just apologies again for that uh, those technical difficulties in the last hour during the big jump uh, it was funny to hear uh, it going the whole programme seemed to go a little bit hysterical at the end when they were talking about with Francis Nesbitt about horses tails in the mouths of an alpaca um, that really went bizarre but anyway there we go so thanks again to Des and Orla for one for persisting and two for bringing us another very interesting big jump but uh, as I mentioned just a minute ago on the intro uh, and speaking of soldiers and being at home I'm thrilled to be joined on the line by Sergeant Dermot O'Dwyer from Callan who is just home really just haven't had a chance to draw breath um, home from a tour in the Lebanon so welcome and uh, thanks for joining us here in Kilkenny today Dermot or should I call you Sergeant can I call you Sergeant O'Dwyer will Dermot do Call me, everyone calls me Dodd. Dodd, I mean, do they? Even, even, my own, even my own mother calls me Dodd, so, so you're welcome to call me that if you okay. like. We'll leave formalities out of it. I will, I'll, stick, I'll stick with Dermot. I've got that yeah, into my okay. head now. I've perfect, got that into perfect. my head, so we'll go with that. Well, welcome home anyway. I suppose that's the first thing we better say to you on behalf of ourselves, myself here and all the listeners of Community Radio Kilkenny City. Of course, I presume you came home with... Um, Dozens, at least, if not. How many? How many of you actually have come home to Kilkenny? Oh, so we, we've, we've. The rotations are normally split into two groups. So the, the initial group, what we call chalk one, rotates first, and then half or a little bit less than half of the new group will come out. They'll get a handover, so to speak, from from the remainder of the old group. So a lot of my colleagues are still out there. We, 115 of us, flew home on Monday morning. Landed in Dublin at zero six hundred, roughly. And there's 170 Irish troops still in the camp from my rotation who will 
go through the process of handing over to the newcomers or half less than half of the newcomers. Um, oh, right. That has its own complications with the whole coronavirus. Yeah, we, we, we can't that. Yeah. You, you could mingle fully with the new rotation. Yeah, out. and you, you're, yeah, I mean, yeah. yourselves, you've you've had your own complications. I presume your your homecoming, or was it delayed anyway for a start? Yeah, well, the delay was the first, the first, the first part of it. And, um, so obviously, um, I was one of the many people who didn't get any leave out there. So we were normally entitled to three weeks leave throughout the six months to work. So we had we had six leave blocks, we'll say. So the the group of of three hundred and eighty or three hundred thirty eight people was split into six, and each of them had their three weeks leave throughout the tour at different dates. Um, so five five leave blocks were lucky enough to get three weeks at home, and I was unlucky enough to be on the sixth one along with a couple of other another sixty or seventy of us. And that, that's when the flight restrictions in the airport started closing, so we oh, didn't right. get home at all. And uh, I mean, what can you do? I presume, that, like out in Lebanon, by, by the time that would have happened, the weather would have been getting nice and warm and sunny, and like into whatever it was, presumably late spring or something. Um, were you just off and chilling out, or chilling your jets, or did you have to just stay on duty no, because you were the there? The, the fact that I was there, um, we continued with our normal working routine, really, um, because because the camp. We were confined to the camp to a certain extent because obviously a lot of movements were restricted uh, for fear of bringing the virus into the camp. So we were confined to the camp, so you have a choice of, of getting on with your work and, and just keep doing what you're doing when you were supposed to be on leave or just moping around feeling sorry for yourself. So everyone out there obviously chose, chose the first and just, just got on with as if they weren't ever supposed to be on leave. Just get on with work and get the days get the days passing by as quickly as possible yeah. the day we were coming home and what, what sort of sense did you have there you know as you said you're, you're in camp um, so I suppose you're not mingling down to the same extent as you might have been with the, the local community what what sense did you get of how much the coronavirus had um, landed and infected and impacted on people in the Lebanon um, from my understanding from, from media and from talking to a couple of locals after they were kind of back in around the camp um, it was similar to Ireland in, in terms of the numbers of cases, and they kind of controlled it fairly well. Like um, they, they, they policed it well. Um, the government didn't take any prisoners in terms of people that were outside and about the, the, when they weren't supposed to be. Probably no different Ireland. Everyone, everyone abided by the rules for their own health and safety. And they understood the risks, so that, that was pretty much it. We, we, we had a couple of locals, between 30 and 40 locals off the top of my head, who would work in the camp. So they'd be in and out every day for their, their day's work, for everything from gardening to, to labourers to, um, let's say, environmental managers, waste management, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they were essentially laid off for a couple of months because mm-hmm. they'd be coming from their, their home place into the camp in and out every day. So, again, to, to minimise the risk on everyone in the camp, they, they were... They were they were left off with pay for a couple of months just just to get just to minimise the risk as such. And and just before I came home, only a number of weeks before I came home, they they kind of loosened up on that, and the, the locals were back allowed in, right. wearing their masks and keeping their distance and all. So um, what about the other side of it as well, uh, David? Which probably have more concern, immediate concern to yourselves. There you are. You're all hundreds of you and yourself and your colleagues away in the Lebanon, and you're hearing presumably a fair bit about what's going on at home. Um, 
must have been quite a worry for some of you, you know, the, the risk of infection, yeah, and some yeah, of your yeah, families and friends um, getting yeah, infected. That's, that's a real worry, um, especially for people who are out there who had elderly parents or, or sick children or um, anyone who was at risk at home. There was an added stress on them, I suppose, because they, they couldn't they couldn't be with them for starters, um, and they understood the risks. But there was a there was a couple of people who who were expecting children or or whose partners get worked when they were out there. They couldn't get home. A couple of people who lost would have lost grandparents, um, and and under normal circumstances, uh, kind of an emergency flight would be arranged for for those for those situations where they could get home to their families. Mm. At a moment's notice, but they didn't have that option, unfortunately, in the last couple of weeks. So it was tough for them, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. And what, yeah. like over over here, I'm sure you were hearing as well that so many of us were all all of a sudden overnight almost becoming experts in um, video conferencing and things oh, like yeah, WhatsApp yeah, and yeah, FaceTime yeah. and Zoom and Hangouts Zooming, and Microsoft yeah, Teams yeah. and all sorts so of stuff. Were, of you were doing all that. Quizzes, yeah, when I was over there. Oh yeah, great. So <laughs> with 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 people at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of oh, great stuff. So well, that's, organized yeah. a couple of things like that, and family lads were zooming, family zooms, and all that crack. So there was, just, there was it's good. Like the, the, the decent connection over there. There's no problem with Wi-Fi, um, all that crack. So contact at home, even though we're we're separate, we're kind of together at the same time. You know. Yeah, well, that, that really helps, doesn't it? I mean, massively yeah. to keep contact, and at least when you can yeah. see people's faces, it's it's way better than a, even an occasional phone call. I think, particularly for family, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if people aren't uh, if you know people are having to cocoon here at home, and yeah. of course yourself and all your colleagues uh, are getting the experience of having to quarantine or self isolate now that you've arrived home. So there's no kind of going on holidays and lying on beaches and doing whatever no, for yourselves. No. From what I see, the, the general public hasn't fully returned to that either. So my, my two weeks at home, along with all the, the odd jobs I have to catch up on around around the house, I'm okay with it for the time being. Like I, I've a good bit of time off now, so after the two weeks, I, I've plenty plenty of opportunity to get out and about. So I'm happy enough. Yeah, and you're healthy, and of course, hopefully, family as well. Or you, you arrive oh, yeah. to find them all hale and hearty. Two, two kids now, Adam and Sophie. Um, they're nine. And, Sophie's nine, and Adam is. 13, there will, will be 9 and 13 in a couple of weeks. Um, so they're happy and healthy. And my wife, Monica, who had the harder task of being at home and working full time and had two kids, she she's happy and healthy. So I'm happy enough that way. It's good. It's good to be home. Um, just tell us, um, Dermot, if you can or whatever you can, you know, you know we're, we, we do here, and we, particularly here in Kilkenny, and we've covered um, uh, sending off parades and stuff like that. I think the last one I was at was up in, in the Castle Park, and it was lovely. Um, yeah. So we are aware here, and we could, we're, I think we're very close in general here in the community to uh, yourselves in the Defence Forces with the barracks there in the middle of town. Um, but what we don't hear, I suppose, is too much about is, is like, what's life actually like for you when you're out in the Lebanon? Like, what sort of things are you doing and how how is it? Is it? I know you're peacekeeping on uh, on behalf of the UN um, yeah. and the international community out there. Um, yeah. Is it peaceful? Is it tense? You know, what sort of things do you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, the Lebanon, the exact date I can't think of, but the, the mission in Lebanon, in South Lebanon, started in 1970. Be killed for not knowing this, but it, it's going a while. Like, and throughout the years, there has been stages of conflict between obviously um, the Israel, Israel and Lebanon in the south, south of Lebanon. And since since its foundation, the UN has occupied the south of Lebanon to create a kind of a buffer zone. We were lucky enough in the last 
seven months, seven and a half months that we saw a relative peace. There was no big issues. There was no um, no signs of conflict between both parties, which was good for us um, because we'd never be going looking for trouble, obviously. Um, but down through the years, there would have been trouble. But regardless of whether it's peaceful or not, the Irish troops who we worked with Polish, uh, a Polish contingent out there. There was 228 Polish soldiers sharing the camp with us. They still go, uh, they do their patrols. So they patrol, the Irish and Polish would patrol together. They have different areas of responsibility. They'd have uh, checkpoints. They'd have uh, observation posts. Um, uh, they'd have the, the Irish actually man a separate post from the main camp. It's called 652, and the Polish would man their own separate post from the camp. These are very close to the, the line of separation between Israel and Lebanon. Mm. And all this, even in quiet times, feeds into reports and stuff that's fed back up to uh, ultimately, ultimately ends up in uh, UN headquarters in New York. So even though it's quiet, there's still a job to do when everyone is very busy. Plus, if you take the size of the camp and the amount of people living in it, it's like a small town full of the world. So mm. you have the daily upkeep and maintenance we supply our own electricity we draw the water from well we have the chefs the engineers the, all the staff to keep that that big cog basically turning so uh, there's, there's always something to do and it's always very busy uh, regardless of whether it's peaceful or not to be honest. and do you get a chance to socialise with your Polish counterparts at all out there? oh yeah 100% um, we're, we're, we're living we're eating we're, we're so, uh, socialising we're, we're doing all that in the same space so friends from Poland when we were out there um, people who will probably keep in touch when we go home we had four Hungarian soldiers as well who were working with the Polish contingent and as part of the Irish contingent we had nine Maltese soldiers so it was a mix of four or four yeah. nationalities right. in the actual battalion itself Great stuff Do you manage to teach yeah. any of them any hurling? <laughs> well I'm the wrong man anyway for starters to be teaching any right, hurling Right what are, you, are, you, are you a sports person at all? Uh, I, well I, I'd be more athletic than Hands me a ball and hurley now. I'd, I'd probably eat it before I'd, I'd poke it over a bar. But there were, the, there's despite to be some fairly good hurlers out there, though. We had plenty of tasty hurlers out there. They, they, they were the guys to show, show the lads how to, how to, how to hurl, yeah. I'd yeah. say that would have been a bit of cracker, right? Yeah, no, they were. They, a few of them took a keen interest in, in the hurling slitter because obviously we had good clatter lads that would have bought out their own hurley and a couple of slitters and a few, a few, a few of the Polish and Hungarians all would have taken taken interest in it and the boys would have poked about with them and they would have been given gifts of Harleys going home and stuff which were, they were delayed or something so. yeah great stuff yeah. internationalising the old GAA anyway it'd be brilliant it. yeah, you yeah, never know there'd be a, yeah, a few it. GAA clubs springing up in parts of Poland that nobody yeah, would have ever realised you never know if they're not, if they're not <laughs> there already Mark. If they, well they probably are yeah sure it's all <laughs> over the place already anyway isn't it? it and it tell is. us just before we let you go then uh, Dermot or Dodd if you, if you prefer yeah. I call that um, about after your quarantine then um, what's next for you do you have to report back to the barracks here in uh, James Stevens barracks or where do you go oh, so I've uh, the two weeks quarantine and then I kick into my the four weeks UN leave so after a tour of duties uh, of six months or more you're entitled to four weeks UN leave so I'm kicking into that uh, which will give me more time at home obviously with the kids and the missus and hopefully we'll get a few staycations in the next four weeks um, mm. and then following that I'll be back to Kilkenny and God only knows what's on the cards for me I, I, I actually don't know where I'm going to end up <laughs> I probably will be in the Kilkenny or 
could be in the car, could be running a course or the back on duties, it's the normal routine stuff that comes with the barracks like. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm 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 hesitant to make the phone call uh, to the barracks. <laughs> they, I'm sure they'll come looking for you soon enough oh, anyway yeah, if I'll you didn't show up. The military police will be out looking for you very quick if you didn't show up. I'm sure they do. Look, um, it's been great talking to you anyway, Dermot. And, uh, Have a couple again, of hellos again. to the, the oh, colleagues who are yeah, listening out yeah. there. They told me they'd be listening out there on the radio. They're due home on the 2nd of July, which is Thursday. It was the week. This day week, is it? I, I actually don't know what day. 2nd of July is next Thursday. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. so the, the, the second rotation of, of my colleagues I was out there with were due to, to return home on, at 1330 on Thursday. And just say hello to a few of them. They know who they are. I'm going to use a few nicknames, but they know who they are themselves. So we'll say not. Uh, Ted is probably listening, and Julie, and the enforcer is probably there as well, and, and Father Dan, who was our resident padre, who's the glue that holds the battalion together. He's, he's surely listening at the moment as well. So hello to all the lads and anyone else that's out there due to come home. Have a safe flight home, and I'll see you all when you get back. Indeed, it's a safe travel to you all if you are listening out in the Lebanon and it's brilliant uh, that you can listen to us all the way out there, presumably on the internet. Yeah, uh, it's great to, great to have you with us and it's been lovely to have you with us as well, Dodd. Uh, wonderful That's to really talk well. to you and uh, do, well, whatever about enjoying the rest of the the isolation or the quarantining, do enjoy your four weeks break and oh, right. uh, plenty of time to think about getting back to the day job. Oh, I'm sure. Thank Thanks you for much. joining us. Take care. Okay, bye, bye, lovely, bye, bye. Lovely. And that was Sergeant Dermot O'Dwyer all the way, uh, not that far away from his, as from his uh, colleagues there in Lebanon that he was wishing all the best to and safe travel to you lads if you're listening to us and lassies as well I suppose, uh, hopefully there's a few of you out there as well, a bit of a mixed bunch um, lovely to have you with us all the way out there in the Lebanon I'm delighted to hear that we're reaching that far and uh, do have a safe trip home when you do manage to get home and if you do have to quarantine and all the rest well look, put up with us, there's, there's a lot of people over here doing the same as I'm sure you realise. And thanks again to Sergeant Dermot Dodd O'Dwyer for joining us um, from a little bit closer to here, just in, out the road there in Callan. By the time we took uh, an ad break at 23 and a half minutes past five o'clock here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor on Community Radio Kilkenny City.ie. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Welcome back to today's Kilkenny Today. Maurice O'Connor with you as usual on the Friday. And thanks a million again to Sergeant Dermot Dodd O'Dwyer from Callan for joining us there for a great chat. And greetings to all of Dodd's mates out in Lebanon who, if they're still listening or if you are still listening, lovely to have had you with us for the last while to join in and listen in on the chat there with uh, Dermot Dodd O'Dwyer, your colleague. And again, uh, we kind of wish you a safe trip home and uh, don't be too frustrated by the quarantining process if you have to do that. Now, earlier on this morning, I had the pleasure of having a long conversation with uh, Kathleen Function TD, of course, Sinn Féin TD for Carlo Kilkenny. Um, our conversation ranged r- across a wide number of topics, but we started off with uh, what's happening right now, I suppose. The, the will it or won't it happen, actually, is the real question. The formation of a new government and the approval by Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Green Party of the Programme for Government. So here's the conversation I had with Kathleen. Uh, Kathleen Function, Sinn Féin TD for Carlo Kilkenny. Lovely to have you back on Kilkenny today. It's been a while since we've been chatting with you. Yeah, thanks very much, Morris, for having me back on the show. It's great to be back. We're still all through, uh, over the phones and, and all that type of system. So hopefully maybe at some time we'll get a chance to get back into the studio. 
But in the meantime, I suppose this is a very particular moment, I suppose, in political history and polit the political life of the country. Um, today, being Friday, is the date when the votes are due in from the three parties that are looking to form a coalition government. It'll either go one way or the other. Um, what are your feelings on, on either option or either outcome? I think myself, the deal will go through. I know nobody can actually say that for certain. Um, and certainly one thing I've learned over the years is the political system can be very strange and, um, you know, things can change very fast. And one thing that you think you might know is, you know, it's totally different the following day. I think if you look at our own, how we did in the local elections compared to the general election is one example of that. So um, things can, can change very fast, but I just sort of get a sense you know, um, that the deal will go through and the plans are in place for us to sit in the convention centre on Saturday tomorrow. So I kind of feel that, you know, that it probably will go ahead. Um, I have to say, I don't really understand after all these days, the necessity for us, us to rush in to sit tomorrow. I, I thought myself that they could have waited till next week. Um, but anyway, that's where we are now. And I do think that that's what we'll be seeing going forward is the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Green government, mm. not government that I wanted to see, uh, certainly. Yeah, are, your, are yourself and your colleagues then in Sinn Féin, you, you would, if the government does go ahead, um, now whatever about the, how you're sitting in the convention centre when you get back into the House of the Oireachtas, you'll be sitting on the opposition, be opposition benches, you'll be leading the opposition. Is, is that something you're looking forward to? Um, like, I have very mixed views about that, to be to be 100% honest, because I really did feel like this was our potential opportunity to be in government. And we did so well in the election, and others did so well as well, not just ourselves. Like this whole thing about the vote for change and people voting differently, like Social Democrats and various other parties. And the Greens would have been included in that, in fairness. So, like... You know, you do genuinely get involved in politics to try and make positive changes and to try and uh, bring about, you know, significant reform, particularly at the moment in housing and health. And the early years childcare sector is, is one that I, you know, I suppose have a, have a good, strong passion for. And also children with additional needs is another area that, that I do a lot of work in. But, you know, it is, I, I don't know if disappointing is even the right word, but it is to think that we had the chance or maybe had the, we came so close to having the chance of maybe making changes and, and mm -hmm. making positive long-term changes, it is disappointing. But having said that, you do need a strong opposition. You do need somebody that's going to hold the government to account. And I do think Sinn Féin will be very good at that. Um, I think, you know, we obviously have an, an excellent leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. I think she'll be a fantastic opposition leader. I think she would have been a fantastic Taoiseach. Um, but maybe, maybe it's just not right. You know, it's not our day yet, or whatever. And I do think we will see her in that role over the next few years at some stage. Mm -hmm. And you know, we will hold the government to account and scrutinise things. But I think it's important as well to be, um, you know, to be to be fair and to if things are good and they do some positive things to acknowledge that. Um, and then obviously you know, where you feel that they need to be pulling their socks up more or, or doing a better job holding to account from what I've seen of the programme for government. I feel it does lack detail on how they're going to achieve some of the things they've set out. So I just hope that, you know, that they will actually do um, a decent job and do right by the people of Ireland and, you know, really make some very significant changes, particularly in, in health, housing, um, uh, they were 
two, two major issues during the election and if anything those issues in that sector have been compounded and exasperated by the whole coronavirus so we do need to see Indeed. action on those and I, I hope that they do solve those things you know part of me you know and you can call it cynical is 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 worried because we know what the history of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is in this country since the foundation of the state and combined together they're going to have such a you know a strong position that the Greens are the, are the smaller party in it but look we'll have to wait and see and I think everyone deserves a fair chance and you, you have to judge someone on, on their record and they haven't even gotten in yet but yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll wait and see You'll be there starting off wishing them well, but um, very much holding them to account, um, as you say. Um, there is also, I suppose, the, although I did, you did start your remarks by saying that you thought the, 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 uh, the three parties would all approve the programme for government, there is, all, there is the, pros- the prospect that they won't. Um, and then that opens up a whole can of worms again. Um, perhaps your, yourselves and Fianna Fáil might start talking to one another or another alternative might be we'd be faced with a, another general election. Um, and I don't hear anybody expressing any enthusiasm about the idea of a general election again. Yeah, well, I personally don't think um, there'll be another election straight away if, if, the, if the deal doesn't go ahead and we'll know this evening, of course. I think what will happen is um, and it's kind of been speculated that the president wouldn't agree to the to dissolving the doll that there needs to be better attempts and of course I think that's been very honest I think that's because you have two parties who have just clearly ruled out any sort of negotiations or talks with another party and you can't really go back to another election before that's explored so as Mary Lou MacDonald has said we'll be ready to and we've said this all along about talking to all the parties and we did speak to to Greens, Labour, Social Democrats, the Independents for Change, the Rural Independents, People Before Profit. We spoke to all of those and the Labour Party as well. Um, and, you know, are willing to speak to, to both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. If there's a situation, I suppose, now that the deal doesn't go ahead, you, some people are speculating it could be us, um, you know, maybe Social Democrats, the Greens, a, a few other parties, and maybe Fianna Fáil will come in on that it's, perhaps, it's impossible um, to know where all that's going to, yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of you know, end. I, I suppose perhaps maybe um, if you're again to take a kind of a conjoined view of it there perhaps the likes of uh, either Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael would need or would be happy to have the co- political cover that a refusal by the President to dissolve the Doyle would give them where they could say well look you know we, this isn't what we wanted but um, we're, we're effectively taking our, our lead from the, the intentions of the President and here we go. So who knows how that will pan out and we'll all find out as you say um, later on today. Um, I know one of, you, one of the things you'll be particularly interested yourself um, Kath, uh, Kathleen given that you're the Sinn Féin spokesman um, for spokesperson excuse me for children and, and youth affairs is the, the retention of that um, particular department. There was some talk earlier on in, in the talks processes a number of weeks ago about a risk to that department's continued existence. Uh, I don't know, have you got a sense of where that's gone or is it more likely to be retained now? Yeah, that was definitely um, being muted. It was actually coming from, from Fianna Fáil. Um, one of their TDs, James Lawless in Kildare, was, had done some paper that suggested they would get rid of children and youth affairs and have a higher education department and said I would be totally opposed to that. I've raised it in the doll on two occasions um, this past week and then previously. Um, 
and I don't I think there is a lot of people that would be opposed to it. I know like the Children's Rights Alliance Bernard with all of the kind of um, representative groups uh, would be totally against it I think it would be a major backward step particularly given the history um, that we have in this country regarding children that if we were just to, to get rid of it and I, I, what I've heard since is there's a possibility of keeping the department but having a shared minister I still don't think that this would be good because I think that it tends to be at times maybe the forgotten department or maybe not seen as the most important one and I think if you're sharing it with either either health or education or the two that I've heard rumoured that they are very big portfolios and departments in themselves and I would be afraid that the minister would sort of all their time would be taken with that and then children and youth affairs would sort of come in second so while obviously it would be welcome to keep the department I think it needs its own department or its own minister and I think some of the stuff that, that we've seen revealed over the last few years, like the Scout in Ireland stuff and that, I wonder if we if that would have been revealed if we didn't have, you know, like because it, when you have a department, you have a, a committee and the Children and Youth Affairs Committee is one, I have to say, that works really, really well in the doll and it tends to, a lot of the time, have cross-party consensus. It's actually just very constructive as well in how it works and it, does, it's, it doesn't tend to be one of these committees that ramble on forever and you think, what's actually happening in here? So I'd hate to see all of that going and all of that good work going and there's huge changes needed and we need a lot more focus on our children and young people and a lot more funding yeah. for various yeah. projects. And I don't but know, sir. I think it's really yeah. important that we keep it. I don't know if there's anything that specific about um, about it uh, in the, the programme for government that would have come from either Fine Gael, um, who no. were responsible for setting it up in the first place, and and indeed uh, or either the Greens. Um, is there anybody on the the current committee that you you think um, you know? Obviously, from the Fine Fáil and Fine Gael camp, um, there's nobody um, from the Green Party on the committee at the moment um, that you're on. Is there any 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 of those Fine Fáil or Fine Gael members that you think would make a good minister for children and youth affairs if it's to be retained? I've actually done a good bit of work with Anne Rabbit um, from Fianna Fáil over the last number of years and I think she understands some of the issues. My fear would be that even if an individual has all the best will in the world and knows what the right decisions are to be made, sometimes, you know, I just think when you're in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, it's like you don't, like those decisions are made for you. So I would hope that she wouldn't be swamped by others. But I do think that she's probably more likely to be the person to get that ministry um, if it's retained and I think in, in, you know I would like to see how she would do on that and uh, I'd certainly give her a very fair chance yeah. in, in that regard and would you like to yeah. then continue as spokesper- party spokesperson in that area yes I would definitely because I'd like to continue the work that we've been doing and you know um like especially when you're working on an area like you, you get a certain amount of knowledge and it's great to be able to build on that um, you know so I'd love to continue mm. in this role I mm. suppose see all of this would be revealed as well now if we do get a government or if we know where, where we're kind of standing whether we're opposition or government so all of you, a lot probably would be revealed in the next week I would imagine yeah, well, I suppose it'll all fall into place very quickly once um, once there is a, a program for once there is a government uh, elected or Taoiseach elected tomorrow. That starts the ball rolling very definitely. Um, just moving on a wee bit, then, um, Kathleen, if you don't mind, um, the there was something reported, uh, and certainly in the Irish Independent, I don't know, was it elsewhere around a proposed one billion scheme that uh, Sinn Féin was was putting out uh, to um, kickstart the tourism industry, and the part of that in particular that caught my eye was the idea of a 200 euro voucher 
um, to, to to spend in local uh, restaurants, hotels and pubs uh, as part of that. Um, when I saw that, I thought to myself, look, in fairness, Irish people being Irish people, I would I would be kind of put, put a bet on where a lot of that um, 200 euros, uh, what a lot of that 200 euros might be spent on. And it might not be spent on on uh, food. Uh, it might be more spent on, likely to be spent on alcohol. I don't know whether you share my, my thoughts on that or not. Or, 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 or has that been mis- misreported, that idea? I think it has been slightly because the idea of it is for adults to get a 200 euro voucher and for children to get a 100 euro voucher and I suppose the idea is to try and encourage family holidays and then you know obviously people may be going away as groups or individuals as well Um, it's definitely not to sit down with your 200 euro voucher and just drink it all Um, I think how pubs were mentioned is some pubs are obviously guest houses and restaurants as well yeah um, and then there is kind of, um, if this was to come in, there was the idea was that you could, you would have to spend some of it this year, and then but you would have up to the end of twenty twenty one. I think myself, it would be a nice thing to do because I think it would give everybody a bit of a boost and possibly the you know families the opportunity to go away um, and have a bit of a break. And are, like this has been so difficult on everybody, and I think it would be lovely to think you know, that you would be able to get away and, and have a bit of family time. And I think it would be a great way, and particularly in this constituency, where we really rely on tourism mm. for for places to get back up and, and running. And, you know, I've, other countries seem to have done stuff around like stimulus checks or, or various outs. And actually, ironically, some of the insurance companies, because I know yesterday I received a, a one-for-all voucher from my car insurance company, as a as a partial refund. All right, so I got a like, check. Yeah, yeah, forty <laughs> yeah. euro it was, and I was yeah, well, forty. Really forty. I, I only got thirty. I only got thirty. Yeah, I, yeah. There you go. So, like, you know, it's just. I just think, like, it, it is. It's lovely, like, when you open something like that, and you think, oh my gosh, this is great. I totally wasn't expecting this, and you know, it, it is a nice boost. I think of. I think it's right because people haven't been using their cars and it's the same, I suppose. Yeah. We've seen refunds being announced by the health, the health insurance sector as well. So it would just, it would go uh, somewhere to kind of trying to hold jobs in that sector, trying to give that sector a boost. Mm. And then also just some happy news for people because I think we've all had our, our fill of, of uh, you know, difficult times. And I'm and, and ba- and not saying that things weren't difficult before COVID, but it's been particularly different over the last few weeks, I suppose, that people so restricted on, on movement. And, yeah. you know, people maybe have had to cancel weddings, people have had to cancel various family things. You know, nobody can travel outside the country really at the moment. So it's just... Yeah, yeah. Be, and I think the, the, yeah, the idea that, that, that they, those vouchers would be um, valid until the end of 2021 is probably particularly practical. I, I think uh, given uh, the way things are at the moment, uh, people even trying to stay, do the right thing by the country and stay at home might find it very hard to find somewhere to actually go, even in Ireland um, this, this summer. Um, just to finish off then, Kathleen, it's been very good of you to give us so much of your time here in Community Radio, Kilkenny City. Um, and back back to the, the government side of things, but one particular angle on it, a constituency angle on it, you'd find yourself if there is a new government elected, uh, or Taoiseach elected tomorrow from Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens, it'll be Micheál Martin of course you'll find yourself as the only non-government TD in the constituency um, would, would that change the way you, your perspective on what you'd be doing in, on behalf of constituents or the dynamic in the constituency at all politically? Um, no, I, I, it is ironic to be the one who, who sort of uh, 
did so well and then to be the one that's that's not in government. Left but, out of the party. Um, yeah, but I look, the, the thing is, when I was elected in 2016, although Fianna Fáil and Fianna don't say they were in a coalition, they were in a confidence and supply arrangement, and they were the other, they made up the other four TDs at that time, so I suppose, to a certain extent, I felt like the only opposition TD the last time round. Um, I do find it difficult to listen sometimes to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael reps who will try and say that they would, you know, for the for the good of the constituency, they'll work with everybody. But yet then they were so very clear they wouldn't speak to Sinn Féin um, regarding government. Sometimes that can be difficult. But like I continue to do work on a daily basis representing people and various issues that, that come across our desks. Um, I'll still continue to do that. I suppose, um, you know, as the only opposition TD, like maybe... I'll, I'll, it'll just be more like you know, need to make sure everything is being really scrutinised mm. and, re- and really watched very carefully but I kind of did feel like I was in that position um, for the last four years anyway so um, no no change you know, there just, then really continue with our work yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I, I think everybody would know as well, and you'd know yourself from your time on the council that everybody seems to speak to everybody else, regardless of um, party background. So it's very hard to to yeah. to uh, explain well why why that suddenly seems to change when politics reaches a national level. Yeah, and I think it's important. Like when I was elected to the council in two thousand nine, I was the only Sinn Féin um, councillor. So, like, you have to be able to work with other people and people in other parties and you have to be able to talk to everyone and try and get along and try and do the right thing for your area, whether it's the council or for your constituency at TD level. But you do also then have to be able to be critical when it's when it's needed and, and call people out when it's needed. So I think you need, you need to get the right balance. I don't, I don't think it's ever healthy or good to say I'm never speaking to person X, but I also don't think that anyone should ever get... I suppose overly comfortable or, or overly cozy either. So. Great. Look, it's been lovely talking to you, uh, Kathleen, um, again, and it's been quite a long time, as I say. And very definitely, you're very welcome to come in face to face in studio um, whenever you like. Just uh, lift the phone and let us know. But in the meantime, have a good weekend and thanks for joining us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City today. Kathleen Funchin, TD for Carlo Kilkenny. Thanks very much. And thanks again to Kathleen for taking the time to have such a long and uh, comprehensive conversation with me. And uh, uh, Kathleen's always welcome, of course, in the studio whenever we can get guests back in, which we are doing um, slowly. We're getting guests live in here on a limited basis. But uh, we'd be delighted to have people like Kathleen in whenever there's something to to say. Um, Now, we did start off that conversation uh, earlier on with uh, talking about the prospects for formation of government. And since then, of course, that was earlier this morning, talking to Kathleen um, just a short while ago at about four o'clock or so. um, It was announced by Fine Gael that they had voted 80 percent in favour of the programme for government. Uh, Probably not terribly surprising, because I think if you remember when we had John Paul Phelan on with us a few weeks ago, he was explaining the party mechanism there in Fine Gael for voting and a huge weighting being given to the parliamentary party votes so not entirely surprising that they'd have had that margin uh, we also hear through the wires that the result from the Green Party is expected at around 8pm this evening so it'll be fascinating to hear that um, and in the meantime I presume between one between now and then we might also get the Fianna Fáil result as well so by around 8pm this evening uh, we should know whether or not there will be a new government and it'll be sitting first down in the convention centre in Dublin um, which is a novel departure in itself if that happens um, there'll be a government and Michal Martin will be elected Taoiseach tomorrow morning if that doesn't happen well probably your guess is as good as mine but uh, interesting insight from Kathleen there about um, 
possibility that the President Michael D. Higgins will refuse to dissolve the Dáil. So we await all of that and uh, all of it will have emerged uh, probably by around 8pm. Uh, and certainly in time for main evening 9 o'clock news by the sound of things. Anyway, carrying on here on Community Radio Kilkenny City with the show today. It's just coming up to about 11 minutes to 6. We'll take a short ad break and then I'll be back to have a quick chat with Josephine Kelly, the chairperson of Relay for Life. So do stay with us. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor. Welcome back. It's now just about eight minutes to six and probably a little bit later than I had envisaged at the start of the show. Uh, But I'm still no less pleased than that to be joined by Josephine Kelly, who's the chairperson of Relay for Life. And good afternoon. Thanks a million for waiting, Josephine. Uh, no problem at all. Thanks for having us on, uh, Morris. Appreciate it. Not at all. Um, we we did have, uh, and I know the listeners are probably will well know by now that um, this year's Relay for Life is unfortunately not going to be able to happen in the same format as usual as, as it does out in um, Scanlon Park. Uh, but we did have um, Chair Cahirlik of Kilkenny County Council, Andrew McGuinness, giving an event, a good plug there when he was in with us there uh, the week before last. Uh, the event, it's uh, tomorrow night, isn't it now? Uh, it's Sunday, Sunday night. night. Yeah, Sorry, the 28th. Sunday night. No, yes. no problem. It's Sunday night, the twenty eighth. Yeah, um, we were. Yeah, and we were in the rugby club actually this year. We 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 changed our venue out to there, Morris. But yeah, with the COVID, we couldn't go ahead this year, and because of that, our fundraising this year is non-existent for the Irish Cancer Society. So um, yeah, we were approached by the by the Water Gate to, um, um, you know, if we'd like to benefit from this concert um, on the twenty eighth, uh, a virtual concert uh, by the Kikennies, and we were. We were actually really felt very humbled and delighted uh, to be offered this. So uh, please God, that will make some money for the Irish Cancer Society. Yeah, it's a new it's a new venture. Um, I presume no more than the rest of us. You've probably participated in a few Zoom sessions and online quizzes yes. and stuff, so yeah. you have a sense of how the whole online experience goes. But um, sitting there yeah. watching a, a live streamed gig will probably be different for an awful lot of um, listeners. I think so. I think there is an appetite out there for entertainment. And I suppose, um, you know, a band like the Kikenny is just such a fantastic, uh, well-known band and uh, great entertainers, I suppose, playing in Kikenny for a Kikenny-based charity. Um, it, it's quite something. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And um, I think it'll be something really special. And I hope... I hope people enjoy it and uh, I think there is an appetite out there for entertainment though I think we're just tired of Netflix and television now at this stage and we are uh, really looking forward to some music I think and you can't beat a live gig I think and hopefully that'll translate uh, in via the virtual form I'm sure it will Just in case I'd forget because we do only have a few minutes uh, a couple of essential details one how do people actually connect uh, to the gig stream Yeah so if you go on, it's going to be on um, the website, the Watergate website. The stream will be on that. It'll be on the Kenny's website and on Casey Lord's website as well. So you can stream, if you go on that and click on those, the stream link will go up on Sunday. Um, and then you can click on that, watch it. And then if you want to donate anything to, be, to us at Relay for Life Kenny, be it a euro, two euro, five euro, um, you can go on to our Facebook page and there's a link there. Uh, via an online link where you can make a donation or if you wanted to wait near the time in July we're having a, a virtual candle of hope ceremony on the 18th of July um, and that we'll be streaming that from our web our, our uh, Facebook page um, you can donate via text either if you'd like to wait and do it then but if you want to donate on the night you certainly can through the link it's a, a just giving page yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. you, you, and you, you do usually make several tens of thousands of euros uh, yeah. from the 24-hour event. Oh, look, uh, the, Ar- the Irish Cancer Society, we've been totally decimated this year um, between the day being cancelled, which is the National Flag 
day. We only we normally bring in about four million um, on that day alone, and that covers the cost of night nursing service. And um, in total, all the relays around Ireland bring in on average half a million between all the relays. And we'd we'd probably earn about sixty thousand in Kilkenny. We really do very well in Kilkenny and our teams. We had nineteen teams. Uh, registered already and we hadn't even gone looking for teams that like I think it was going to be one of the bigger relays this year and those teams all fundraise but people can't fundraise really because they can't hold events like normally there'd be table quizzes and bingos and you know different bits and pieces cake sales happening but that's gone a lot of people are doing a lot of things like you know exercise challenges um, yes so know somebody I know is doing 25 push-ups where, like 25 push-ups every day for 25 days somebody else yeah. doing 32 somethings for yes. 32 days and other people and there doing are, yeah, lots of things. Yeah, and uh, there are lots of people doing that for the Irish Council Society. And I see, uh, like, Ennis um, was on last weekend, did a virtual uh, relay last weekend, and they've raised over 25,000. And Wexford are going to um, have a virtual relay, relay for life in Wexford. They're going to have the virtual relay the week after, and they've raised in excess of 50,000. But we really haven't really pushed it out to the teams as yet. But if anyone would like to, to fundraise or to do anything for the Irish Cancer Society, we'd be more than grateful because I'm actually working as a night nurse with the Irish Cancer Society and our demand has gone up by 20, 20, 15 to 20% since COVID started because um, people are nervous about being in hospital and I think they're being discharged home and people are, more people are, are looking for the service, obviously, you know yeah. what I mean? And it, it's a vital service in, to yeah. Kilkenny, really, you know? And that's added, of course, to the worry and to the, the stress that's caused by not being able to go for normal treatments and stuff that they might have been going for a while. Oh, they are. They're going yeah. for the treat oh, no, treatments. Oh, haven't been, because the oncology unit has been moved in Waterford, anyway, it's been moved out for the Witchfield Clinic, and it's not even here in Kilkenny. So chemotherapy and treatments are going on as normal. That hasn't really been affected, oh, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, they're kind of doing, they kind of a clean space and keeping the COVID patients separate, you know, separate, and they're being treated in private hospitals, and there's more control in a private hospital because you don't have a, a casualty, do you know what I mean? So you yeah. can screen everybody pre- yeah. Pre, yeah. pre-entry no but they're yeah. going ahead in the private hospital yeah. don't know they are yeah. but um, now this is kind of end of life care you know what yeah. I mean so yeah so it's, 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 it's a worry I suppose yeah. really, you know that so we can't uh, get the, the fundraising in but hopefully now on Sunday night we'll have a good response yeah and the virtual yeah you know the virtual relay for life will, will kind of keep the flag flying for you anyway until hopefully next year it'll be able to well, happen for it. real I know you mentioned yeah. earlier on that you were going to have a virtual candle of hope ceremony of course anybody yes. who's participated will will kind of that you'll understand how special that is and how lovely it is yes. to see all those candles laid out around yeah. either the rugby club or previously around yeah. the track in Scanlon Park yeah. um, you, the, the other part I think that uh, people love to see after that marathon 24 hours is when you close with the final victory lap have you thought of anything <laughs> that might be able to take the place well, of that one well we're, we're reaching out to our teams and um and and our committee so we've pre-recorded a few little bits and um it'll all go out on the 18th and 19th so the candle of hope is definitely on the 18th of july and we're just We'll come up with something, and um, it definitely we'll have to do something because I think uh, Relay for Life has a special mean place in a lot of people's hearts in Kilkenny, and it's a real feel good community event. Whatever being a fundraiser, there's definitely. I think a lot to be gained from being part of the whole um, the whole 24 hours is definitely a feel good and I think it's just very empowering too for those who've been through a cancer yeah, journey that absolutely. they can kind of participate in that way you know I'm so afraid we have to we've run out of time, time Josephine okay. and we have to you're well able for this obviously you're telling me what's going on on the show um, we, we have run out of time it's been lovely yeah. talking to you and hopefully uh, do come back to us actually with, with the information about yeah. the, uh, the the victory lap and how you're going to have a virtual victory lap or whatever you're going to do and we'd be absolutely. delighted to give that some publicity yeah no um, thanks 
and, uh, and always, you're always there for us. Look, every year, Community Radio are just such a great support every year, and we really appreciate it. And we're, it. we're and very, said, very happy to be so. So thank, thanks a million. Thank anyway, so Josephine, have a lovely weekend. You Take too. Care. Thanks, Maureen. That was Josephine Kelly, who's the uh, chairperson, of course, of Kilkenny Relay for Life, part of the national movement. That's all of time for today. Um, thanks to Josephine there for hanging on and for uh, not reminding me having to cut her a wee bit short. Thanks to Kathleen Funchen also for joining us earlier on pre-recorded chat and uh, particularly to Sergeant Dermot Dodd O'Dwyer um, home from uh, the Lebanon out there in Callan and to his uh, mates in Callan or uh, mates out there in the Lebanon for joining us as well over the internet. That's all we've time for today. Have a lovely weekend. I'll be back with you on Tuesday. In the meantime, we'll have the Angeles Community Diary and uh, Keolse Kishton with Sharona Cassidy. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.